Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from John 6, 1 through 15. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to John in your Bible. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Thank you, Sam. That is the word of the Lord for us today. We're actually going to look at this passage, just the first half of it today, and we'll, we'll get over to the second half at some other point. Um, but just want to let you know that up hand, because we're not going to look at the actual feeding, but what, what goes before it. Um, have you ever been super overwhelmed with something? Like just, you look at it and it's huge and you just want to cry. Lori, when she was in college... Like, she would get the syllabus, and that's what she would do. Like, she would, she would cry. Not me. Uh, but where I would cry, though, not really, um, is I worked at a, I worked at a grocery store in, in high school, like, for all of high school and even into college a little bit. And uh, I did just about everything I, which was available to do at the grocery store. Uh, I worked as a cashier. I bagged groceries. I got carts. I, we had a one-hour photo lab. I even did that. Do you guys remember actual pictures on film? That's a wild job, by the way. Wild job. Uh, we would, I would work uh, pretty much two or three times a week, maybe four, all day on Saturday. And one of the things about uh, being a cashier, who, anybody has done that? Anybody cashier at a grocery store? Is that like it never ends, right? There's just always a line. And, and depending on... What, what day it is, uh, what time of the day, what season of the year would, be, uh, would determine how busy you were going to be, where you were at actually in the lanes, at least at our grocery store growing up. I worked, though, um, I worked New Year's Eve 2000, 2000 right? Like Y2K, 
And like those, that was the craziest night I think I'd ever worked. But the, the day before Thanksgiving or the day before Christmas Eve, it was just always slammed with people. And, and you, I, would, I would do be doing my job and I would look down and I would see like seven carts filled with, you know, carts of all the grocery things. And you just get overwhelmed completely and be like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to, to do this. This is never going to end. Uh, I just can't wait to get out of here and do something else. Uh, but I began to realize that as I worked in this job, that if I, if I just took it kind of one cart at a time, if I just focused on the person who was in front of me, uh, I, could, I could block out the seven, eight, nine other people who were in line, and I could just I could do the job. Well, I, I think that's, it's not the same, but it's kind of similar to where the disciples and Jesus are at this particular point in the passage of Scripture. Uh, Jesus and his disciples have been going around, and uh, word has spread about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And he's gotten pretty popular. And the crowds will follow him absolutely everywhere. Uh, they will be ever-present in the Gospel of John. And so it, it's, it's no surprise that Jesus and his disciples need some time away. So they hop in a boat, and they go to the other side of the lake, and they, they walk up this mountain, and they are hoping for some peace and quiet. Oh, they're maybe halfway up the mountain. I don't know how exactly what this looked like, but I, I kind of imagine the scene in my mind, uh, maybe as from the perspective of, of one of the disciples, Imagine they're halfway up the mountain and they look back and they see this mass of people that's not far behind. And I'm sure that they're like disappointed. It's like it's towards the end of your shift at the grocery store and you know that you're going to go home soon and then like 15 people get in your line like right at the end. You're like, come on, I'm done, right? I wonder if that's how, how the disciples felt. They, they get to where they're going and they sit down and they're like, ah, peace. But then they see this, this giant crowd coming their way. Well, uh, Jesus sits down and I can imagine he's not really bothered by this, uh, maybe as much as the disciples, although you know, he needs to get away as well. And he looks up and he sees the crowd and he's like, okay, uh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to, I'm going to test my disciples. Uh, and he asks them the question. I've got to turn this on. He asks them the question. All right, you're going to have to advance it for me, I think. There we go. He asks Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? Uh, can you imagine? Well, John tells us that he's doing this to test his disciples. And this would have been a normal thing because the disciples understood their relationship to Jesus as, as pupil, to, um, pupil to teacher. Just a second. Teacher. And, but I don't know what they're thinking. Like, what's, what's in their minds as, they, as Jesus answers this or asks this question? And I wonder if Philip is at this point saying to himself, uh, I don't really know their answer, um, but maybe, maybe I should say, you remember the whole water and the wine thing that happened not too long ago? I think you, you had that covered pretty good, so I'm, I'm sure you'll figure this out. 
Uh, I don't know why you're asking me what I'm going to do about this because there is nothing I can do about this. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, Jesus, don't know Jesus' reaction to where do we buy our... Slow down. I don't know what Jesus' reaction is to Philip's comment about, uh, well, he says, uh, yeah, okay, here we go. Philip answered, six months' wages could not buy enough uh, to feed each of them just, just a little bit. Jesus doesn't respond at all. And uh, I don't know if Philip passes the test or not. If Jesus was giving a grade, I don't know if he would have gotten an F or a D plus. Because Philip just doesn't, he just doesn't get it at all. Uh, then not too long after that, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Uh, a better answer. I, I wonder, though, if, if Andrew at this particular time is just trying to get participation points. Like, you've been in classes like that where uh, you have to talk in class. I, I had a class in seminary. Uh, and our professor, uh, he would have these days, he would call them fishbowl days. He was from the South, and so he said, fishbowl. I don't know, I can't do it right. But the whole thing, we would sit in a circle, and everybody had to offer something into the, con- the conversation. And like, your class participation grade for that class was, uh, was wrapped up with mostly with that day. And so you had to do something, and even if you knew you weren't going to be right, even if you knew that the answer that you were going to give was not the right answer, like you, you had to give it in hope that the teacher would be kind and not humiliate you in the midst of your peers, which this professor, I really liked him, but he, he could be a little, he wasn't uh, empathetic, is that, yeah? He didn't have a whole lot of empathy for, for people. I learned a lot from him, but no empathy. Uh, I, I wonder if Philip's like, um, I don't know, or Andrew, if this is the right answer, but here's a boy and he's got five barley loaves of, of bread and two fish. Uh, but then he tacks on at the end, but what are they among so many people? Uh, he's hedging his bets a little bit, right? Uh, this could be the answer. I think it might be the answer, but uh, I don't know. You tell me. Well, we, we know what happens and... Uh, yeah, not there yet. Uh, Jesus says, good. He brings these fish, and he blesses them, and he breaks them. And ultimately, he feeds the entire crowd of people, about 5,000 people, with just those loaves of bread and bits of fish. I think maybe if Andrew was getting a grade, it would be C plus? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not an A. I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, but I think the, the larger thing that's at play at this particular moment in this passage, uh, I think Jesus is wanting his disciples to understand a little more fully what, what faith looks like. Uh, what he expects of them faithfulness right now. I, I wonder if, if Jesus doesn't want his disciples to know that you don't need all of the faith right now. You are where you are in your relationship with me and your understanding of who I am and your understanding of what the kingdom of God is and what I've come to do. I wonder if he wanted them in this moment just to have a little bit of faith that he could take care of the need and that that little bit of faith would produce a little bit of action. 
which would produce a little bit more faith, which might produce a little bit more action. See, I think Philip, he failed, right? He failed to show the little bit of faith. Now, he gets it eventually, I assume. But Andrew, he displays just a little bit of faith, just a little bit of action. And God takes that action and multiplies it and feeds a multitude of people. I wonder, and this is the way it was for me, I, as a teenager, as a, as a child, I looked at everything that people preached. And I looked at everything that I was taught in Sunday school. And, and I looked at Christianity and I'm like, this is too big. Like, I, like in my peeny, teeny tiny brain thinking like, I am not up to this, to whatever it is that God is calling me to be. I, there's just so much that I need to, to change in myself or that there is there's so much that needs to be done in the world. There's so much brokenness and injustice and God is calling us to work and, and to, to fight against those kinds of things, to bring about wholeness and peace. And it can get really, 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 really overwhelming. At least, at least it did and does for me. But I wonder if, I wonder if we can set that mindset aside. And we might be able to, to ask ourselves, what, what little bit of faith is God calling me to have here and now? I know I'm not going to solve the problems of the world. No, we're as a church aren't going to solve the problems of the world. But Jesus is asking us maybe at this particular point, how do we feed all these people? Metaphorically, right? So it's an analogy. And I think we have a choice to either, either answer like Philip did and be like, beats me. Even if we had six months' wages, it wasn't going to be enough. Or if we're going to answer like Philip, who says, well, here's what we have. You might as well try to use it. I wonder, I wonder what God is asking you personally. What little f- bit of faith do you need to have? And what little action, act of obedience is tied up with that? I wonder what that looks like for us as a church. Like, what is the little bit of faith that God is asking us to have here and now in this moment? And what is the little bit of action of obedience that needs to happen for us here and now? I think this is all, this is how our faith grows. That it, that it isn't a giant thing all at one time, but that it is one step at a time. That it is one little bit of hope, one little bit of, of faith, one little bit of obedience, one little bit of action, which leads to more faith, which leads to more action, which leads to more faith, which leads to more action. And who knows? Maybe, 
just maybe, whatever it is that God is calling us to do in faith, in a little bit of faith, and a little bit of obedience, just maybe, God will turn that thing into something miraculous. Something that far exceeds our expectations and our imaginations of what could happen in this world. I pray that, that in this coming year, we could be attentive to what God is asking us to do and not get overwhelmed by just the, the enormity of well, like living a good Christian life or the enormity of the church's role in the world or your role in the world as a representative of Christ. But that we might focus down and take it one step at a time. Moving one step of faith. Being obedient in one way. Continually looking for the places that we can have just a little bit more faith and just a little bit more obedience and action. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.